Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are rethinking the traditional getaway, vacay, or holiday, instead opting for a trip through time to revisit, repair, or even research what's next. Sure, a condo at the beach never gets old, and visiting family during the holidays is essential. But what else could your mind imagine? How about handing John Hancock the quill during the signing of the Constitution? Working TSA for Charles Lindbergh's solo flight in 1927? Or casting the first female vote after the 19th Amendment went into effect? Maybe your time travel would be more personal, like another day with a loved one chance to tell an important person how you really feel, or the ability to right a wrong and change your past. You might be curious to see how the other folks live, like traveling back to the pioneer days, the Great Depression, or maybe a trip into the future. Whatever that looks like to you, let's take a moment and dream. I love historical fiction. I like books, I like the series, and I love the films. Has anyone watched Downton Abbey? That's kind of a joke because so many people have watched Downton Abbey. I feel so close to that family. It's a great opportunity to peer into a different time period, the aristocrats and then the people who served the aristocrats. Wow, even just the traditions. I saw behind the scenes of that movie or that series, And they really went into great detail on just the different traditions that they followed. Such a different time. You know, elbows on the table is not nearly what they went through with their etiquette, their table manners. Just an interesting time. I also love to read about World War II. So from every angle, I love strong female characters. So I tend to look into those. And historical fiction is great. You're getting a lot of the actual history with some fictional characters. So it's really fun. For me, it transports me in just to another era where I can see what their traditions were, what was important to them, um, just how it changed from then to now. What a vast difference. It also makes you appreciate where you are by watching someone else go through it. You know, they really paved the way. I think learning from the ladies of the pioneer or having English tea in a wonderful old mansion over in Europe would be just amazing. So I think if I was gonna book my time travel vacation, I would go back to probably, I would say 1920s, maybe 20 to 30. Can you imagine how fun that would be? Instead of looking for Airbnb or Expedia, booking your travel, you can dial up the time period that you want to go to, how long you want to be there. So let's say I spent a week during that time period and probably Europe. I want to go old world. I want to see some old world things. And then you shazam, you're there. First thing that you would do, you would already be dressed in the period costume, you'd be ready to go, bags packed, and you're off on your exploration. I can't imagine a more fun time. 
So for me, I love to daydream. I love to think about a different time period. What about you? Where would you go and why? Why would you go back in time? Would you go back in time just to visit and learn about that time period? Or would you go back there to change the past if that was ever an option? Over at onewithnow.com, I found if you could go back in time, what would you change? So imagine that you could go back 20 years or less if you're younger than 35. (laughs) What would you do? Think of the pain and challenges that define that period for you. Heartache, loss, failure, shattered dreams, mistakes, regrets, doubts, fears. Would you change anything? When I asked myself this question, my first impulse was, I wouldn't change a thing. Everything unfolded the way it was meant to be. I am today where I am because of the past. And then I stopped and thought, who am I kidding? I would be lying if I said I wouldn't change anything. There are major things that I would change if I could, said the author. Before I get into it, let me just say that I truly believe there are events that have encoded into our DNA, faded at the hands of God, life, karma, or evolution, and these are unchangeable no matter how hard we try. I can't force a company to keep me employed or a relationship to last beyond its intended purpose, nor can I prevent war, serious illness, or prejudice. But I can most definitely choose not to be defined by these events. I have a choice. And yes, I would have done a few things differently. This is where events are only probabilities. And maybe I could have altered my reality in a way that was more beneficial to me. So here's what I would change. I would not fight the inevitable and hang on to what was. I wasted so much time trying to save the unsavable. Walk away from toxic people. I choose to ignore the signs and suffer for no reason other than fear. Do not try to be a hero and meddle. It's not my job to help people who don't want to help themselves. I ended up enabling the same selfish and destructive behaviors. Feel the pain and not numb it. I fought with myself so much. I did whatever I could to numb the pain with more regrettable actions. And I compounded the suffering. I would allow myself to grieve and be with the pain. Channel despair and fear into something useful. Instead of sinking deeper and deeper into despair, I'd choose one thing that I wanted to do and work on it. I would have done all these things and more. Would my life have turned out differently? Hmm, probably not. But I wouldn't have suffered as much. I do regret some of the choices I made, but I mostly regret how I felt about everything. Anxiety, stress, fear, and a whole lot of apathy. Back to the present. Hindsight is 2020, and the past is in the past. Going back in time may feel like an exercise in futility, but it's not. The emotional pain of the past lives with us until we face it and deal with it. This is one of the ways of dealing with it. This exercise is not about regret, but more about choice. When we relive the past and look for areas where we could have made better choices, 
We can consider these choices today and not repeat the past many times over and over and feel more pain. So take a moment to do the exercise. Think of this scenario if it helps. Look at the events of the past. Imagine a movie playing with the younger you as the star, and you're the director of the movie. What would you tell your lead actor? Here's what I would tell my younger self. As the director of the present, I'd tell my past self kindly and gently to trust more and have faith. There's nothing you could have done to not fail in life. Trust that life has and will always be on your side. Instead of wallowing in self-loathing and doubt, have faith in your abilities and your worth. No one is more or less deserving than anyone else. Embrace your inner badass. Don't put up with situations thinking that you're weak. You're more powerful than any situation. Even at times when you feel broken, damaged, or undeserving, nip the abuse in the bud. You have enough strength to take care of yourself. Don't take things too personally. Every little or major thing is not about you. Life or God is not on a mission to smite you. Failure happens. Loss is inevitable. Step out of the selfish bubble of misery and refocus on what you can do to move past the pain, not dig yourself deeper into blame and apathy. And for goodness sake, feel your pain. Don't take it out on others. Don't suppress it. But just sit with it. Grieve. Cry. Write. Meditate. Or see a therapist if you need to. Do whatever it takes to let go of the pain instead of holding on to it as it's this badge of honor. It's not. When we look at the past, we realize that we can choose to have faith in our own abilities and to trust the kindness of life. Whatever transpires is not going to last, so we don't need to hold on to the pain forever and allow it to define us. Revisiting the past allows me to make different choices. Today, the moment I notice signs of abuse or manipulation, I close the door and move on. I don't hang on or take the failure as a reflection of my self-worth. Most importantly, I don't take things that personally or that seriously, and it's freeing beyond words. Another way of making different choices is to travel to the future. You can use the same exercise and imagine yourself 10 or 20 years in the future directing your present movie. What would you tell your present self? When I think back about giving advice to the former me, I kind of laugh because I think about the age of 18, you know, 18 before 21, so 18 to 21. I thought I knew everything. Of course, I think we all did. You know, I was fiercely independent. So no one could tell me what I didn't already know. Now that I look back at that, it's... Funny, but not so funny because I made some real life decisions at such a young age without knowing really what I was going to become when I got older. So if I could go back and change a little bit, I probably would have slowed down. I would have told myself not to be in such a rush. You don't have to have everything figured out when you turn 18. You might run into some problems, have to turn and make a different decision, go in another direction, and that's okay. But when you put deep anchored roots down at such an early age, 
you can't really be that agile and flexible. So I probably would have told little Kendall to take her time, follow her dreams, whatever those are, it doesn't matter, at least give it a try. I would have also tried to get her to understand this concept, which I don't know that she could have at this time, but you only know what you know. Now, again, I would have thought that I know everything, but it's a great lesson for not only me at 18, but us at any age. You only know what you know now. So there's so much more out there to learn before you make some really big choices. You're never stuck. And if you are, get up and get moving. You're still evolving. There's so much more to learn and so much more to grow. So I think I would have gone back and maybe just have a little heart to heart. I tried that with my children. They didn't think I was serious. When I told them I've already been there and done that, they still had to make up their own mind and make their own choices and challenges. So what are some of the things you would tell the younger version of you? Would you have just let yourself fall on your face, get back up, dust yourself off and try again? Or would you have tried to prevent some of those decisions with a little more insight from the future? On Mix 95.7 FM in West Michigan, I found an interesting question proposed and responses from some listeners. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? So here are some responses from some of their listeners. I would go back to the first time women were oppressed and stop it so men and women are equal. If I could go through time, I would go back to November 9th, 1995 and save my mother from being murdered by my father. I would go back to when my hubby and I split on round one. I would tell myself not to do it and stick it out for the sake of his boy and mine. They both would have been better in the end if we had stayed together, even if we didn't split, because we thought it was better for them. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I would travel back to when I was five and my dad was an RN, and he would drop me off at my aunt's house to get picked up for school. He died at the age of 47 from drug and alcohol abuse. I would go back to April 10th to April 14th, 1912. Of course, I would survive the whole ordeal, but just being able to see the massive ship and everything that happened would be eye-opening. I've always been fascinated with the Titanic. I would go back to my days at Hope College and get a different degree because my psychology education major is useless. I'd go back in time to see what dinosaurs actually look like. The secondary option is to go back in time and see if Jesus and his peeps were actually legit a group of hippies who just got their stories taken advantage of, or the world's most epic icon. I would go back to the 50s because I love their style and music. I would go back to the final straw that broke my brother in his youth that got him hooked on drugs so I knew I could have helped him. Maybe he'd still be here. My husband would go back to ancient Greece to see the foundations of modern civilization Me, I would go back to when my kiddos were really little and treasure the little moments. I would go back 10 years and try to help my dad. So we hopefully never lost him in the first place. Cancer is horrible. 
I guess it depends on how my interactions with that time would affect things. I'd love to fix a few things in my life, but at the same time, had I not made some of those choices, I'd be missing a lot of people and experiences that I treasure. I guess I'd just go back and observe and see how silly some stuff looked from an outside perspective. I would go back to the first time I thought about leaving my husband and do it. It would have been a struggle still, but I wouldn't have wasted so much of my time. I would go back to the 70s and then not come back. Life was much kinder and people could afford more. The world was a better place. However, I'd want to keep the early 80s because that's when I was given the most wonderful gift, my son. I would want to go back to meet my great-grandparents. I never got to meet them because they had already passed by the time I was born. It would be great to listen to their stories. I would go back to June 21st, 2014 and talk my sister out of ending her life. I miss her. I would go back and hang out with my best friend one last time and tell her how much I love her. I would be by her side when she passed. I would go back to before my sister died. I would tell her I love her a few more times before she died and tell my dad to buy stocks and a few certain things. I would go back to the night of the $1.5 billion lottery jackpot and guess the correct numbers. I would also go back to the night a certain orange Cheeto was conceived and give his mom the morning after pill. (laughs) But I kind of want to go to the future. I would go back to when my daughter was eight. We had the best Disney theme park vacation ever. Everything was perfect. I would go to my parents' wedding. Watching their wedding video looks like so much fun, and I would have been able to meet my grandma. I would go back to 7 a.m. on Thursday, February 18th, 2016, so I could start CPR sooner and save my dad. I would go back to when I was skinny, so I can tell myself to stay that way. I would go back to the day my brother died, to before his death, and stop it. I would go back to the 80s and never come back. I would go to medieval England or Italy during the Renaissance. They are on my travel bucket list for now. To see it then would be amazing. I would go back to the Rat Pack era for sure. If I could travel through time, I would go back to my ancestors in Scandinavia during the 9th or 10th century. I love the Viking era. I would go back to the future. I'd love to see how my mom and pop grew up as teenagers. 70s rock, classic cars, bell-bottoms, and more. One of the things I said I would do if I could travel back in time is go see the Beatles play live in the 60s. They're my favorite band. I would go back to the roaring 20s. I think I would have made a hell of a great flapper girl. And I would try to smuggle booze into the country go to Canada and back, and just live my best life. I would go back and meet Victor Hugo while he was writing Les Miserables. I love that book and musical so much and have so many questions for him. I would time travel back a year and tell myself what I know now and would have left my ex then instead of dragging it out a year because I was afraid to leave. I would go to the frontier times, Little House on the Prairie, I love nature, hate technology, and the way the work is today. I would go back to Sunday morning and stop my dog from getting hit by a car. 
I would go back to the other day or two before my grandfather died and beg him not to go to work that day, to stay home and to sleep. He was killed in a car accident because he fell asleep. This was back in 1990, and there's not a day that I don't think about him. I'd go back to my parents' wedding and confront my mom for marrying pregnant. She made such a big deal of me even kissing a boy before marriage. What's up with that, mom? I would like to travel to when my ancestors first landed here on my grandmother's side, 1635. I wish I could go travel back to May 20th, 1961 and witness my parents' wedding. My dad died in 2015 and I've never seen a single photo from their wedding. I would travel to five months ago when my dad was still alive. If I could time travel, I'd go back to when I graduated from high school. I'm 31 now, and had I known then what I know now about student loans and how badly they can affect you financially, I would have done things totally different. Live and learn, I guess. I would go back before my nephew passed away at the age of 29 and found out what was so wrong so he would still be here and my sister wouldn't have lost her oldest son. I'd go back to the Adam and Eve days, minus those two. Caveman days, I guess. No buildings, all earth, the way it should be. And I'd prevent the world from turning into exactly what it is. I would go back to the night of the OJ murders and then send him a tweet saying, I know what you did. I'd go back in time to when Bitcoin was a penny. Then I'd buy as much as possible and I'd be what you call rich. Those are some great answers. What would you say if you were proposed that question? I really relate to going back to before my dad passed away. You know, we never get enough time. My dad was struggling with Parkinson's and dementia and had been in the VA nursing home for about four years. It was a difficult disease. I basically lost him before he actually passed away. Uh, towards the end, he became nonverbal, maybe a little bit here and there, but very difficult to understand. And it was just a different time in our lives. But I enjoyed going in and spending time with him on a regular basis. It was part of that caregiving duty that gives you so much joy. But during COVID, my dad went into hospice. And if I could get that time back, I would pay anything. Because to be told that the place is shut down and you cannot get in to say goodbye to your father, unimaginable. I, like so many others, stood on the outside of a window, if possible, just to see my dad. Lucky for me, I hit it right on the head with a FaceTime visit with him right before he passed. And come to find out, it was the only day in the weeks leading up to his death that he was verbal. So I'm so blessed that I've got that moment. But if I could go back, I would go back before the illness and really be able to have some good communication with him. So I guess the moral of that story is don't lose that time with your loved ones. Don't leave things unsaid. Say them now. Find time to say them now. Even if you feel like it's a burden, it's a blessing. Johann Neem enlightens us with connecting past to present, 
the history major in our communities. History enriches our experience and understanding of our lives, but we must learn to see the history around us everywhere. We're surrounded with historical questions waiting to be asked. Why does our government work the way it does? Why do people walk and talk or dress as they do? Why do we eat what we eat or not eat what we don't eat? Whether we're walking down the street or trying to understand something we read or saw on the internet, history connects the past to the present, helping us understand how our world and we came to be. When we look upon the world historically, we open ourselves up to new insights about the present and the world around us comes alive. It's filled with questions. True historians know that the joy of history is found in these questions, not just in the answers. Learning history also encourages our sense of belonging. Each of us is part of multiple communities that give our lives meaning. We belong to nations, religions, small groups, and professions. We're shaped by our economic conditions, our ethnic background, and our gender. Understanding the overlapping and sometimes contradictory histories of these different communities deepen our connection to them. We gain insight into, appreciation for, and sometimes a necessary skepticism regarding our own beliefs and practices. We become better caretakers of our communities, even when that requires using historical knowledge to criticize the present. Most of all, we discover that we're not the first to wrestle with the kinds of questions that possess us. We have to learn from those who precede us. History sheds light on the most important issues we face today. Yet history is not only about today. It also takes us to distant places, fertilizing our imaginations. By studying people and places far removed from our current lives, we become aware of other ways to be human. The strangeness of the past enables us to step back and look at our society and ourselves from a new perspective. We might start to look a bit strange to ourselves. Making sense of other societies also encourages empathy for different cultures around the world. We study history to simultaneously situate ourselves in the present and to distance ourselves from it. Studying history fosters a sense of wonder about the world, the kind of wonder that nurtures intellectual curiosity. Studying history makes our world more interesting. One could go through the world and experience it superficially, just as one could walk through a forest without any knowledge about trees or ecosystems. It might be pretty, or perhaps scary, but meaningless and shallow. Because our world is made by history, and because knowledge of the past offers new perspectives about the present, studying history gives us deeper insight into our lives and the lives of others. I love learning from the past. I always think when I get a little stressed out, too much technology, too much chaos, I like to go back to a simpler time. Now, I make a joke that I watch Little House on the Prairie, which is not a joke. It's a great uh, series, of course. But it really depicts those pioneer times, right? The simpler times when families seemed a little closer. There was a lot of hard work. You know, they weren't um, preoccupied with technology or trying to get somewhere and be something. They were just 
you know, working out on the land and trying to make something of their lives. Everything was slower and more intentional. You know, they had appreciation for the smaller things. I'll never forget that episode where they were trying to get Christmas presents. And of course, they had limited money. So they each picked a present that was almost relied on another piece of, uh, you know, equipment that they already had. So they would sell that in order to afford the other. And it was just like this domino effect. Laura, the young girl, if you've never seen the show, actually sold her pony so that she could buy her mother a stove. Well, the dad sold something else in order to buy a saddle for the horse. You see where I'm going. But at any rate, I love checking in with different time periods. It really makes me appreciate what they went through and how we got to where we are today. You know, the years of those deep inventions. It was such an inventor time when everything seemed so new. You know, today we still have a lot of technology innovation, but, you know, we don't really see it until it comes out. It's just a new widget per se, instead of, you know, something that's more groundbreaking. At least it's that way to me. How about you? What do you think we can learn from the past? What have you already learned from the past? Well, I'll give you some more past. How about that? From the Gallup News Service, I found the most important events of the century from the viewpoint of the people. Now, if you're familiar with the Gallup poll, that's where they're constantly checking in with people and getting their feedback. So what is the most important event of the 20th century? Historians may ponder that question for years to come, but from the perspective of the people of the United States, it's definitely World War II. In a recent Gallup poll, Americans nominated the war in general, the Nazi Holocaust that occurred during the war, and the dropping of the atomic bomb on Japan that helped end it as three of the top five events of the century. Rounding out the top five are two events that signaled major changes in human rights and equality. The granting of the right to vote to women in 1920 and the Civil Rights Act in 1964. A recent Gallup poll asked the American public to name the most important event of the century off the top of their heads without prompting. Gallup poll analysts then took this list, deleted the events that in reality are more like sweeping advances, like the computer, and added additional events that have appeared on the list and created a new list of 18 events for the public to rate. The 18 events were then ranked ordered based on the percentage of Americans who placed each in the top category as one of the most important events of the century. So here are the results. Number one, World War II. Number two, women gaining the right to vote in 1920. Number three, dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima in 1945. Number four, the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. Number five, passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Number six, World War I. Number seven, landing a man on the moon in 1969. Number eight, the assassination of President Kennedy in 1963. Number nine, the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. Number 10, the U.S. Depression in the 30s. Number 11, the breakup of the Soviet Union in the early 1990s. 
Number 12, the Vietnam War in the 1960s and the early 1970s. Number 13, Charles Lindbergh's transatlantic flight in 1927. Number 14, the launching of the Russian Sputnik satellites in the 1950s. Number 15, the Korean War in the early 1950s. Number 16, the Persian Gulf War in 1991. Number 17, the impeachment of President Bill Clinton in 1998. And number 18, the Watergate scandal involving Richard Nixon in the 1970s. Now, would you have rated them that way? Hmm, I don't know. I might have switched a few of those around a bit. On Maria Milla Vasquez's YouTube channel, I found Rewrite Your Past, Time Machine. Let's take a listen. Okay, so you know what this is, right? This is a pen. Everybody knows that. So I have been talking about for I don't even know how long now, so long, about the power of owning your story and sharing stories. And we share stories because then we learn that we're not alone in our experiences and we're not alone on the planet. I talk so much about the power of writing your own story and picking up your pen and rewriting the story. I have been giving this talk for, I don't know, like two years now, right? And each time that I give this talk, it's a, there's another level that I understand in the power of taking up the pen and deciding that we get to write our story right now, today, in this moment, because we cannot change the past and we cannot predict the future, right? That's that's usually the consensus. Here's the thing, though. We can, to some degree, predict the future because if I know that I'm practicing my alignment and I'm practicing being happy as much as possible, then it is like mathematically... Uh, reasonable to believe that my future is going to be filled with happiness and gratitude and the things that I'm continuously practicing on a regular basis. If I work out consistently, then it is reasonable to predict that my future is also going to be healthy because I have these consistent healthy habits, right? You with me? Okay, good. So then I'm thinking about the past, right? And this, this just, this just clicked in my head and I knew this, but I never really got it in such simplicity until right now. And I wanted to share this with you. Here it is. Here it is. When we talk about writing our story and rewriting our past, here's the thing. We don't own a time machine, but essentially we do. Because when you think about the time-space continuum and the fact that time, all time exists right now in this moment, everything that has ever happened to you since the moment you were born, everything that's going to happen to you exists right now in this moment. I'm not going to get crazy. We're not going to get all quantum physics-y because people who don't understand this, they're like, their heads are already spinning. Don't get crazy. Just stay with me for a second. Everything that has ever happened to me that I have ever experienced and the way that I tell myself that I believe it to be, the perception that I carry about all those experiences are with me right now in this moment. We can all agree to that. But here's the thing. We can essentially rewrite our past when we change the way that we perceive those stories. Let me give you a quick example. When I remember when I was younger, I always used to do the whole like, oh, woe to me. My father's not in my life. My father didn't raise me. I had all, my mom had these stepdads that came in and out of our lives, but they didn't really love us like that. They didn't really care about us. It, it, they weren't like loving and caring and all that stuff, right? So like, woe to me and the whole father story, right? Okay. So then as I became an adult, I became not trusting of men and I had some stuff that I had to deal with from that perception. There was a time a few years ago when I realized that my birth father's job, 
This was when I went to visit him in prison. My birth father's one job was to provide the sperm so that I could have life. It was never his job to raise me. That's just not who he was designed to be. And it's also not the role that he was designed to play. And thank God, because if he had raised me, I can't even imagine who I would be or where I would be in my life or what my life would be like had he been the one to raise me. That was not his job. So when I finally released him of the expectations that I created and said, these expectations of you should have been X, Y, and Z, I released those. And when I released him and said he had one job and he did awesome at it. He provided the sperm, which made me have life, which means I'm here. Fantastic. He did his job. Once I released him of that, in this present moment, I could feel all those years of stories that I had told myself about the whole woe to me, my father wasn't in my life, change. They instantly started altering because I went back then and poured forgiveness and understanding and compassion and love all over that moment and that thought. And once I did, it created a ripple effect throughout years of thoughts. And then it was like all that time caught up and was like, Zoosh! and then now I'm here and I'm like, Oh, when people talk about, oh, aren't you mad at your father? No, that wasn't his job. That wasn't his journey. His job was to provide sperm, and he did that, and then moving on. And then it provided freedom and fulfillment and love in this moment because I went back in time and rewrote the perception around that story, which then allowed my present self to catch up with millions of moments, right? Because I changed that story then. And you know, like if you see a movie and somebody gets in a time machine and they change one thing in the past, it has so many ripple effects that when they come back to the future or to the present, everything is different. It's like that. We have the capacity to rewrite our stories and to change the way we perceive them. And when we recognize that it is our jobs to validate ourselves, to love ourselves, and to take responsibility for our lives, to acknowledge that we're on a journey and so is everyone else, to acknowledge that we're doing the best we can with what we know how and so is everyone else, including all the people from our past who may or may not have intentionally or unintentionally hurt us, when we pour over those situations and those stories, love and compassion, the understanding about the journey, the understanding that everybody's doing the best they can with what they know how, and then we truly free ourselves of the weight of the expectations that we created, it creates a ripple effect that happens in seconds and shoosh, catches up to the present moment and then we find ourselves in a place of freedom. We can rewrite our old stories. We can change our future. We can change the present moment by rewriting the old stories, which again, going back to the beginning, is reasonable to believe that if I'm operating in a place of freedom and gratitude and understanding right now and I continuously do that, that my future is going to be full of freedom and opportunity and gratitude and love. You see? You with me? Ah! If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, spend some time daydreaming about where, who, and especially when. Explore your interests, research, and revisit a time period that is meaningful to you and change your own ending by how you narrate your past, present, and future. I know you 
can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone's through until the path was clear.